Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. This is a little uh, podcast slash video that I like to uh, throw out there once a week where I like to talk about all things investing, talk about what's going on in the market, talk about what's uh, happening in uh, the wacky world of stocks, what other people are seeing uh, out there in the markets, getting different perspectives about what's going on, and also just to share with you some of my thought processes, what I'm reading, what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing. Uh, that's going on in the market and showing you kind of how I'm framing my own investment decisions based on what's happening really for the purpose for you to take some of those these nuggets of of information and uh, maybe bring it back to how you frame your own investment decisions. My name is Amon Reina and I am an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors and as an investment coach what I do is I help people who want to become more financially independent but they feel kind of confused, intimidated, and frustrated by the whole investing thing, the whole buying and selling stocks thing. They either don't know what to, don't know how to start, how to begin, if they're just new to investing, or if they've been investing for a while, they just are kind of frustrated in terms of not making any traction and not making any progress with their portfolios. So what I do as an investment coach is I teach people, I engage with them on how to make more educated and ultimately more successful investment decisions so they, can, they feel like they can achieve a certain level of financial freedom in their lives and achieve it with confidence. So this is episode 89 and I was actually, I'm really kind of looking forward to, been looking forward to doing this episode because there's been so many really interesting things going on. Uh, not so much in the stock market business, but so much in the in the business side of it and, and the ramifications that it might have in terms of how we make uh, investment decisions. So one of the things, you know, when we're looking at stocks and trying to figure out what stocks to buy and sell is, uh, and the thing, one of the things I teach, try to teach people is just to not look at stocks as just simply pieces of paper, not to just look at them from a context of trying to figure out Um, which companies and which stocks have better ratios or looking at companies from just purely profit, loss, assets, liabilities, just reading financial statements. Uh, And try to not look at stocks as as things that we have to buy, you know, our duty to to put our money into. And a lot of times we put the money into stocks very randomly. We do it based on what our friends tell us to do or what our family tells us to do. It's... Um, it's a very random process for a lot of people and it kind of intimidates and it gets people uh, really frustrated. The reality is, you know, the people that are really good at investing is they view stocks not just as those pieces of paper, they view them as as a representation. They represent, they represent people, they represent ideas, they represent organizations that are trying to figure out what people want and try to give it to them. One of the principles I always teach, and this is one of my uh, core uh, principles that I teach people when, I, when they're trying to figure out investing, and it comes down to really principles of understanding capitalism, is that you could take, you know, there could be 10,000 companies out there, 10,000 stocks out there, and you could line them up from company one to company 10,000. And these 10,000 companies could be doing all kinds of different stuff, selling all different kinds of things, products, services, whatever. But at its most purest form, all 10,000 of those companies are pretty much doing the same thing. They have the same function and the same purpose and the same role. And that is to, first of all, obtain capital, obtain money, resources, um, because there's not a lot of it out there. Capital is very scarce. And so 
The first job is to get capital. Second job for, for a business and company is to invest that capital into some ideas, into products and services um, that people want. And the third thing is just to get out there and to see how effective that they are in selling those products and services. And the principles of investing really come down to companies that can do a really good job of these three elements, obtain capital, invested in good ideas and, and services and perform, they're going to be rewarded by the stock market. Investors will reward. People will want to gravitate to owning stocks of those type of businesses. And conversely, it's going to punish businesses that don't do a really good job about it. And so the context the businesses try to do and try to figure out is how, what ideas and products and services they need to be putting their scarce capital into. And so right now, it's interesting because we're, I think we're in a, we're in a crossroads right now uh, in business. More specifically, where I think companies now are in a crossroads in terms of that second element I was talking about, how to invest that scarce capital. Where are they putting their money to work in generating products and services that people want? And the only reason I'm saying we're kind of at a crossroads is that is we've seen in the last, literally last couple of months, some really interesting strategic moves by some of the big players out there that really have an influence in terms of how um, our economy is run and have an influence in terms of how our society and our standard of living um, work. <laughs> I can't think of a better word. And if having an, it's an impact, I think, potentially, that could have ramifications, good and bad, uh, in the future in terms of how we lead our lives and how we do business and the types of uh, how our economy grows. And so I really wanted to talk about these kind of these three, what to me are three critical um, moments and decisions, strategic moves that have occurred in the last couple months and try to show you kind of some themes and some potential impacts and uh, how we can, as investors, really want to frame our decisions uh, going forward um, with respect to these type of moves that we're seeing. So the first move I want to talk about, the first strategic move that, that occurred, I don't talk about, and I've talked about it in previous podcasts, I talked about it a while ago, um, is the move by Amazon to buy Whole Foods. Now, to me, this was, uh, is, a, is an incredibly bigly moment. Um, it's a huge moment. Um, because the, the impact of it is you've ha you have an online retailer, basically a pure online retailer in Amazon, buying a physically um, a bricks-and-mortar organization. And so the impacts of that now is Amazon, from an Amazon perspective, is they have, have access to an incredible physical distribution channel uh, of bricks-and-mortar uh, stores. And they're not just stores randomly all over the world, they're just, or all over the US or wherever, they are strategically placed stores that are very close to very high income areas, um, very high traffic areas, really prime real estate. So they're not just setting up shop in random places, they're in really prime A areas. Um, another factor is now Amazon, which has been really kind of out of the whole luxury space area, they're now have now bought essentially a luxury company, a luxury oriented company because of the nature of Whole Foods, high end. Um, pricey, foodie, gourmet kind of lines. Um, that's a big deal. They've, they haven't really been in that space before. And so, and the other significant area is they've, they're now basically in, they're a player now in the whole grocery business where they've kind of been on the edges. They've been around in food for like 10 years, 
and they've you know had some delivery services and products and stuff like that there, but they really haven't made any, a lot of traction. They've kind of been scratching. But now with the move to buy Whole Foods, that's a pretty much a, a message to the market and message to other their competitors. Uh, you know, specifically the WalMarts, the Targets, the Krogers, the Safeways, the Costcos, the Loblaws, the Metros, the Sobies of the world. That you know what we're in this game now, and you're gonna have to deal with us. So in that sense, it's been a major. It's a major move. Now, what's interesting now is how are they going to go about doing this? Like, what are they going to do? Um, if we know the Amazon DNA, it's basically they don't really give a damn about profits. They're not profit focused like most other businesses would be doing. Their their drive is to disrupt and take market share because they feel like if they're taking market share, if they are the owners of the market, then they control everything and that's where the value of the company is going to grow. So they're all about volume. They're all about market share. They're all about taking out other people. Um, and we can have an existential discussion about whether that's good or bad for, for society or anything, but that's just let's just leave it at that. So the question we have, and I, and I said this when this whole thing went down, was when Amazon's going to take over Whole Foods, what are they going to do with it? Are they going to view Whole Foods as just they're buying it for the distribution channel and it's really just kind of an extension of their value proposition, which is basically compete on price? Or are they going to let Whole Foods run as a separate entity and kind of use that to nurture and develop that kind of luxury exposure, that luxury space um, that they've lacked. And so that was one of the things I was looking for. So it's interesting, and the reason why I'm talking about this is because just yesterday the, they announced, the companies announced that they're going to close the deal, it's going to go down, everybody's given their blessing to it. And literally, the ink hadn't even dried, and Amazon went out there and said, you know what, starting Monday, literally, they're going to draw, when the, when the deal officially closes, they are going to drop prices at Whole Foods on a whole whack of products. You know, avocado, kale, a lot of kind of staple kind of things. They're dropping the prices on it right away. And the second thing they announced, they said well, they're going to start linking um, their Prime account. It's going to serve kind of as their key loyalty program within Whole Foods. So if you are a Prime member and you went into Whole Foods and you bought something, chances are you're going to get a discount. You're going to get buy things at a lower price. And they've also talked about using the Whole Foods stores, physical stores, to be kind of pickup points. So if you order something online, you could go into Amazon and, I mean, go into Whole Foods, any Whole Foods or whatever, your closest Whole Foods, and pick up your order. Instead of having it getting shipped to you, you can go pick it up. So to me, this is interesting as hell because to me, if this is what they are looking to do, and if this is how they view uh, Whole Foods, what it's telling me is that the Whole Foods that we know of, the whole the whole paycheck, Uber, you know, uppity, foodie, gourmet kind of business, if this is the direction, if this is the culture they're going to bring, they're basically going to smash that through. And so the Whole Foods that you know of, that we all know of, probably is not going to exist in that form. So what they're, what they're telling us in a sense, and this is, again, we have to see how this play out, but at first... You know, first impressions is that they're looking to go down market. They're going to take that Whole Foods brand and kind of go down market. And from my experience, from what I've seen, when companies do that, uh, when they take a luxury brand and kind of go down market, it very much dilutes that brand. What made them known, what, they, what had that exclusivity, that kind of niche factor, kind of goes away. 
And usually when that happens, companies tend to suffer and they tend to lose that cachet. And eventually they lose the loyalty factor with their customers and profits become diluted. So what it seems like Whole Foods is trying, what Amazon is trying to do is go down market, lower prices, lower their margins, because Whole Foods, one of their unique things I've made, as I've, I've, a whole, I've owned Whole Foods a bunch of times, and one of the things that attracted to me was the margins. As an investor, these guys were making printing money. But if, if Amazon's saying, you know what, this is more about the distribution channel now for us to get our goods out there and for us to compete with other businesses, other grocery and retailers on a price perspective, that's a game changer. Um, you know, we've seen stories of kind of luxury brands going down market and it never ends well. Great example, Coach. Um, Coach was a very exclusive brand and if you went to a Coach store, it was lineups all around the world, all around the block. And then what happened, they went into factory outlets. And they went everywhere in factory outlets. They did a lot of discounting, a lot of coupons. And eventually that cachet of owning a coach purse went away because there wasn't that exclusivity factor. There wasn't that, and people just turned off and coach suffered. And they're only now trying to rebrand themselves and reinvent themselves, get themselves back to that exclusive luxury brand. But it's taken a lot, of, there's been a lot of pain and shareholders have suffered from it. Um, so Voss Water is another example. There was like exclusive, you know, go to Vegas, go to a club, you pay $10 for a bottle of water. They were ex such an exclusive brand, but then they went everywhere. You found them in Whole, uh, Walmart, you found them everywhere, and they diluted the brand, and the company's really been just treading water since. Um, so I, this is an interesting concept that's happening here. So what are the implications um, of that? And so... I look at it from the perspective, if they do down market, go down market with, with, whole, with whole Foods, that really opens up investment opportunities. If you're that niche kind of uh, gourmet uh, food chain, um, there's opportunities for you. So uh, the best example I could think of is up here in Canada, we have a, we have a chain here called Pusateri's, which is very exclusive, very high-end um, gourmet, high-end service, very much what a Whole Foods is. Um, maybe just more on a local scale, but they are a growing organization, and so that's those are type of people organizations that are going to benefit, even within Amazon in, within an Amazon world. Um, so, what's interesting again with this Whole Foods Amazon thing is now we're seeing Amazon now transition from being an exclusively online retailer to now an online retailer and a bricks and mortar retailer. And I'm going to build on this because I'm going to talk about leads to my next example of, of, an, of an event, uh, of a major business event that's occurred. So that's a whole phase one. It's fascinating how this is going to play out. Um, second look. So the second event is, and this just happened just, just earlier this week, um, was the announcement by uh, Google, or Alphabet, and Walmart. They're going to partner up, and Walmart is agreed to take essentially their inventory, their SKUs, and give Alphabet access to it. So essentially Google is going, Walmart is essentially going to sell their goods through Google. So what does that mean? Well, that's a huge, another, that's a very huge difference because Walmart, now let's just backtrack a little bit, one of the things Walmart has been criticized for has been their online presence. They've been all about the stores, the physical stores. They've always had an online presence, but it's never been, 
you know, robust. And a lot of people complain about it. It's not very clean. It's very not very user friendly. It's just a whole bunch of stuff there. So what have they been doing? They're trying to. They have basically, and they've, this isn't just what's happened this week. They've been consciously trying to up their online game, um, putting a hell of a lot more money. And we talk about investing into ideas and products. They are investing a hell of a lot into online because they're they're saying, you know what, Amazon, you're going to go after us. We're going to go after you. And so they went out and they bought JD.com, which is considered one of the premier online retailers. That's not Amazon out there. They're more focused in the China market, but the competency and the、uh, the the DNA of that、uh, organization is they know online. They are considered one of the big online. They went out and bought them, and now they're doing this deal, this relationship with Google now, which is you know it's all about data. So think about the possibilities here now. Google has one thing Google is great at. It is figuring out what people want and giving it to them and putting it in front of their faces. So think about all the possibilities. If you're, you know, just driving around and you come close to a Walmart, Google and your.、Uh, wouldn't it be interesting if Google can kind of figure out where you are and then push to you. A whole bunch of data, a whole bunch of information about food that you might need in your house、uh, that you're running low on、um, because you have the Google Home thing at home and it's tracking your literally. It's almost like a supply chain, pushing information to your phone, telling you you need to pick up some bananas, you need to pick up some diapers, and then having the mechanism there to order that stuff and just go to a Walmart and pick it up. That's huge.、Um, so what it's saying is it's now. Google, I mean Walmart, you know, a company that's has Amazon is basically going after them. Walmart is responding by saying, you know what, we're going to up our online game. So this is this interesting story. Well, Walmart's been traditionally bricks and mortar, is now getting hardcore into the clicks part. It used to be just bricks, and now it's clicks. So what's con? What's what's the theme here? And it's the theme here is now. Going forward, you just can't be an online retailer or an online business, or you just can't be a physical bricks and mortar business. You kind of have to have a complementary thing, and it's, that's a big change because all the smart people up till now have been telling us that, oh, you know, bricks, bricks and mortar are dead. You just you have to be online. You have to be doing everything online.、Um, malls are going to die, and all these places are going to die. Well, if you look at the strategic moves that whole, you know, Amazon. Walmart and Google have made. They're saying no. They're saying the future is you have to be in both places. So just think about that for a sec. Just think about it and just meditate on that concept, and then figure out okay if that's the game plan, if that's what it takes to play now. What other companies out there are doing this? And off the top of my mind, I'm going and again, let's look at it from investment opportunities, right? I'm not even looking at the numbers. I'm just looking at who are the players who could be real big players in this whole thing. Williams Sonoma. They're one of the biggest um, um, outside Amazon. They have a huge online component. Most of their business now is 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 done online, and but they still have their stores in very A space malls. So Williams Sonoma could be a big player. They sell stuff that Amazon necessarily doesn't sell. So they have a very exclusivity factor. Nordstrom's is a big player online, and they also have their physical stores. Best Buy, same thing. And I'm thinking, I'm just thinking on the top of my head, Wayfair. 
even though they're still dubious in a sense, but they have made themselves into quite a presence on an online perspective. Actually, forget, Strikegate Wayfair, they're more online <laughs> than there. But again, they, that, a company like Wayfair would be very attractive to uh, an entity that, or a business that is more in the traditional bricks and mortar side of it. But I'm just, sorry, going off on a tangent there. So look at, so just, just think through like what the implications of all these moves are. So what's interesting though is think about who's missing. Who is not in this club right now of bricks and mortars and online? And the two companies that just jump out at me are Apple, who's just basically a software company that sell, happens to sell phones, and Facebook, purely an online company. Somehow, I think, if the future is about bricks and clicks and online, these companies are going to have to partner up with people. So who can they partner up with? Who are the... Out, who is out there looking for a partner or a, a relationship at least because Google and Walmart are not buying each other they're just working with each other maybe down the roads one of them will buy each other out but who knows think about it. Costco great bricks and mortars and eh, average online presence be an interesting partnership with a Facebook or an Apple Target same premise Pretty much all the grocery chains would be an interesting targets. Interesting stuff, huh? This is get this is interesting stuff we're getting into. Uh, then the other side of all this thing is Amazon, because right now everything is about Amazon retail, retail, retail. As well, what's Amazon doing? Oh, are they threatening my business, my sector? Okay, stocks going to go down. Oh, they're going to threaten the drug business, uh, pharmacy business. Okay, pharmacy stocks are all going to go out of business. A lot of things we're seeing with Amazon, like they're going to destroy everything and there's just only going to be one company on the planet. Um, it sounds, unless you've been around for a while, and I've been doing this for 20 years, a lot of the talk and the chatter that we have and all the fear-mongering and you know, hand-wringing that's been going on in the retail landscape right now is very similar to the 80s and 90s when Walmart was going around setting up shops in little communities and destroying communities and people saying the end of the you know small business, the end of Canadian Tire up here in Canada, the end of all these companies, all these retailers are going to go down because Walmart's going to come in and destroy everybody. Didn't happen. Partly because Walmart, get, well, the, problem, the fact of the matter is when you become so huge, it's really hard to be reactive and to new ideas, new concepts. And clearly Walmart didn't react very well to the whole internet concept and other companies did and other companies adapted and guess what we have competition so what's happening is there's such a negative impact uh, perception about basically everybody in retail and such a great perception about Walmart I mean uh, Amazon um, they're ignoring the fact that you know what businesses are people their ideas their uh, concepts they're creative, and eventually that creativity finds a way, and there will always be that competition, all that threat. So right now everybody's all in on well, Amazon and pretty much all out of anything else. As an investor, you're going, hmm, maybe I want to take the other side of the trade. Maybe we've gotten a little bit too top-heavy in Amazon. That's one of the things I'm running through my head right now. So that's a, so that's a second dynamic that's occurred, and you can see it's very... Between Whole Foods, Amazon, Walmart, Google, quite a lot of impacts here and quite a lot of things we need to think about as investors in terms of how we go forward and make decisions. So that's 
one arrow. So the third element that I want to talk about, third major, I think, business move that occurred, which I think is going to have a serious impact on a lot of elements uh, in our economy, is the deal, the announcement by Disney that they were going to pull all their content out of Netflix. And starting next year, they are going to begin the process of basically selling their content, distributing their content directly. They're going to create their own super portals. Stuff for Disney, stuff for ESPN, um, you know, the whole Star Wars movie franchises. They're going to do it all themselves. They're basically cutting out the middleman. And Disney's... It's a big move because Disney is such a huge, is a Goliath, is just you know dominant in the whole entertainment space and the entertainment content space. And uh, so what they're doing is, is a, is a, has huge impacts. And it's not just they're doing it. Other players are starting to do what do, and we're going to see a lot more of this going on. HBO, you know, directly marketed to, distributed through cable companies, satellite companies, are now, they, you can go and pay them 15 bucks a month and get the stuff to directly from them themselves. You could watch Game of Thrones directly. You don't need to be subscribed with a cable company anymore. CBS doing the same thing. I'm sure all the other networks are going to do the same thing. Major implications. Netflix, let's look at it from a Netflix perspective. Netflix is all about content, right? They're about selling content. But unfortunately, content is really expensive. And one of one of the reasons why Netflix is, is where they are right now is really because of Disney. They got, you know, many, many moons ago, and I wrote about this in a blog um, way back, actually, when I uh, made my own decision to buy Disney stock. Just to disclose, yeah, I own Disney stock right now. They did a deal with Netflix way back, and this is when Netflix was just kind of trying to get a, a foothold on everything. Disney made probably one of the dumbest business deals ever in that they basically gave their catalog away to Netflix for like nothing. I think they charged them like three, uh, a licensing agreement for like $300 million until like 2019, 2020. And everybody panned the deal and they thought it was a horrible deal. And for Netflix, it was a steal. Like they got the most amazing library of content for like practically nothing, for pennies. And it allowed Netflix to build, get that street cred and really ramp itself up to be that big-time distributor of content. And the thing about content is you can either buy it or you can make it in-house. And so Netflix is starting to realize that because content is now expensive, that they're trying to make it in-house. But the problem is that you better be really damn good at it, and you can't... It's cyclical. It's cyclical. Companies, uh, networks have good periods and they have bad periods. And it's kind of hard to smooth things over. In the networks, it was easy because they had sports. And so it was easy to smooth things over. So what we're seeing um, in this little dynamic is a real shift now from having these middle people, middle organizations, your cable, your satellite companies who have kind of been the controllers of information. That control is now strictly now to the content generators. They are going out and distributing their content directly to customers. So as investors, we're thinking, okay, if I'm looking to invest in the entertainment space, do I want to invest in the distributors or do I want to invest in the content creators? So cable, satellite, those are the people that are going to get kind of whacked right now. They seem to be under threat.
consumer perspective is more selection, more customization. But the question is, will people buy that? You know, if you add an ESPN portal to a Disney portal to an HBO portal, is it any different, the value proposition? Are you saving money buying all these different subscriptions than just going through a cable company? That's going to be an interesting dynamic we're going to see play out. I have no idea how it's going to play out. So, again, serious, like major, major implications here in terms of how businesses are going to run, how businesses are going to operate. And as investors, it's basically we have to, we're, we're kind of in a way in a crossroads and trying to figure out all this stuff and figure out who are going to be the players here. You know, we talked about the whole retail side, Walmart, Google, Amazon. Who's going to be the player there? Right now, they could all be players. We're looking for the entertainment distribution kind of space, Disney, Netflix. You know, then you have your traditional uh, content distributors, cable companies, satellite. What's that dynamic? Like, these are all questions now um, that we have to, as investors, we have to kind of figure it out, and we got to take positions on it. So just wanted to throw share this kind of what I'm seeing out there, and I'd love to hear what you think about it. Am I just totally full of it? Am I just totally seeing the world and from a totally different perspective? Um, shout out. Love to hear from you on it. Just to give you some disclosure, um, I always like to be upfront with stuff that I'm talking about. Um, I do own stock in Walmart. I do own stock in Google. And I do own stock in Disney. I don't own Netflix. I don't own Amazon. And I don't own, well, it doesn't even matter about Whole Foods anymore. I did. I, I was a shareholder in Whole Foods uh, several times in the past. It's been a, it was a good stock for me. I'm kind of sad to see it go because I think it's it's a great business. Um, it, it's a, it, it's kind of a best of breed business, um, and I don't know if we'll see another company like that again. Maybe we will, um, but I'm, I don't know if we're going to see it at that scale. We might see local, regional kind of players in this kind of space, but boy, Whole Foods is going to be it's going to be missed as a shareholder, as an investor. I'm going to miss that stock for sure. So, lots to think about here, folks. We're in a real crossroads in terms of how businesses are functioning and what businesses are going to do. And as investors, we need to be mindful of it because it's going to play into, you know, how we need to keep a real strong eye on how these companies are going to be investing their capital. How are they strategically going to be positioning themselves into developing the products and services they think we're going to want? So we're going to keep an eye on this. I may come back to these, uh, little, uh, these stories um, in the future, just to check in and see what they're doing and share with you, just kind of keep you guys in the loop on what's going on. So feel free to um, chime in on it. You can ch send me an email through my website. love to hear some comments on it. You can hit me through uh, my Facebook page, uh, which I just set up, Sage Investors. Do a search. Love to hear your thoughts about it. Just, you know, I'm going to be posting this stuff on the web, on the page. So um, love to hear your comments on it. We have a little chat, have a little discussion. You can follow me on Twitter. Handle is at Sage Investors. I'm commenting about a lot of this stuff in real time, making investment decisions in real time. Um, follow me up on that. So that's all I got for you. I hope this is good. I actually like this stuff. This stuff is cool. Um, you know what? That's one thing I like about investing in individual stocks. There's stories behind them, and there's tangible. They're just tangible. You can touch them a little bit. You can relate to them a bit. You know, I know everybody's all big on ETFs right now and everything. ETFs are this, this, passive, low-cost investing, great stuff, yada, yada. Really boring. <laughs> like, you just don't, you can't have a, a discussion like this. You can't have a, a sharing of ideas like this 
that you would with you know the iShares S and P 500 ETF. It's more of an economic issue in terms of you're talking interest rates, you're talking all that stuff, because um, that's influencing the index more. So that's all I got for you this week. Thank you very much for listening. Feel free to check out all my previous podcasts and videos on my website, sageinvestors.ca, or through iTunes. Um, do a search on Sage Investors. I've got all the previous episodes, previous podcasts all there. Just feel free to subscribe. Leave some comments. Like it away. Dislike it away. It's all good. Thanks for listening. My name is Amon Reina again from Sage Investors, and we'll catch you again another time. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.